morning, St. Andrews. My name's Ed Grable, and it's an honor and a privilege to speak to you today. Um, we're all praying that the uh, rain will hold off, but we thank God for the breeze. Amen. <laughs> so this morning, I'd like to start off with some audience participation, if you'll humor me for a second. How many of you would say that you struggle with worry at some point in time? Your hands? Okay. Now, those of you that raise your hands, don't look around because then you're going to worry about the people that didn't raise their hands, right? So, you know, there are a few of you, so I, I guess I, I picked the right sermon. Now, but seriously, when I stand before a group of people like you, I know that there are a few of you struggling with life right now. Inevitably, there are those of you that are struggling and battling worry in one way or another. Worry is at an all-time high in our world today, especially here in the United States, where we continually rank in the top 10 most stressed out and anxious countries. In fact, uh, I read an article that was so shocking from 2008 that I figured I'd share it with you today. And it said the average high school kid today has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient of the 1950s and we're getting more and more anxious by the decade. We expect to have a more affluent lifestyle. We are driven by unrealistic expectations when it comes to our relationships, our appearance, and what we need. And anxiety isn't helped by the fact that we are bombarded by bad news all the time because bad news sells and it reminds us that we could always be in danger. Even though we live longer, we have better health care, we travel safer, we are richer than we've ever been, our cars are safer, we still believe that there is a disaster on the horizon. We are con constantly bombarded by this bad news. I mean, no wonder we're nervous wrecks. Just look at the headlines, right? We've got the coronavirus. You know, the first time I preached this, I made a joke about the coronavirus, and <laughs> now it's here. Racial tension and the economy. Not to mention the anxiety that social media throws at us. I always think it's funny how the news likes to add that feel-good story on the end. You remember those, right? I don't know about y'all, but I don't make it through the news anymore. I find myself shutting the TV off, looking at a blank screen and going, thank you, evening news. Now I have even more to worry about. <laughs> so the world feeds our anxieties, which leads me to ask a few questions. As a Christ follower, how do I worry less? Is there a way that I can help stem the tide of worry in my life and the lives of those that I love? What does the Bible tell us about anxiety? I believe that Paul gives us three clear steps in facing worry and anxiety as a believer. So if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, please turn to our passage for today. It's Philippians 4, and we're going to be looking at verses 4 to 7. Now, while you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of history and background with Philippians 4. Uh, when it was written, who it was written by. So, it was written 30 years after the death of Christ by a gentleman named Paul. 
Now, Paul is in a prison cell in Rome where he's a guest of Caesar. He's writing the church in Philippi, which is a city in Mesopotamia, modern-day Greece. Many believe this is a church that Paul planted himself. Now, Paul loved this church. He was so thankful for their love and support in his ministry. And in fact, uh, the constant theme of this book is joy. Paul wants to encourage those that read this letter. But he is aware of their struggles they are facing. They are being persecuted for their faith. And like any other church, there are a few of them that are not getting along as they should. But the key is the gospel is being preached and people's lives are being saved. Now let's jump into the end of the book where Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So we know that worry and anxiety can be a normal part of life. Your circumstances seem overwhelming, but as a Christ follower, it comes down to trusting God and looking at things from a different perspective. The first thing Paul says we need to do when we're worried or anxious about anything is that praise is powerful. It says in verse 4 again, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. You see, Paul is telling the Philippians that they need to rejoice no matter what happens. Paul is not being flippant or dismissing their struggles. It's his kind of way of saying, remember the last time I was with you? You see, the last time he was with them, he was accompanied by a few fellows. One was Silas. Luke and Timothy. We know this to be true because Luke recorded the events of this day in the book of Acts, the 16th chapter. You see, Paul is no stranger to a prison cell. Well, in Philippi, he encountered a girl possessed by a demon. Well, Paul cast that demon out of the girl, and upon hearing that, her owners were so angry, they had Paul and Silas beaten and thrown into jail. That night, Paul and Silas began to pray and praise God. Then, there was an earthquake. Their chains fell off. The prison doors swung open. Now, here's the great part. That's not the great part about the story. The great part is the jailer and his entire household became Christ followers. You see, their surroundings and their situation did not remove their joy. They did not lose hope. Worry and anxiety can rob us of that joy and steal our hope. When Paul is, what Paul is asking us to do is extremely difficult, especially when you find yourself following a loved one in an ambulance, not knowing their fate. Or when that person that you love has packed their bags and said that they're leaving, how do you rejoice? In your mind, you're like, come on, Paul, you have no idea. I have no idea what my job situation is gonna be in a year. And my children, let's talk about my children. They're making poor choices. They're, they're off on their own. And every time we talk, if we talk, it's a fight. And you want me to rejoice? 
You see, the joy that we're talking about here isn't a purely human emotion, but a deep down confidence that God is in control of everything for the believer's good and his glory. And thus, all is well, no matter the circumstance. So, yep, that's what he expects. Our joy comes from the Lord because he is ever present. It's a confident joy. In fact, let me share a quick story about a friend of mine named John Paul. He was born in a village in Africa. And by the age of nine, he had lost both of his parents. But at the age of 10, he went and saw a film called The Jesus Movie. And upon seeing that, he became a Christ follower. After returning home, he shared what had happened. He was then threatened by the people in the village, eventually run out of the village with dogs and machetes. He found his way to the closest big city where he lived on the street to survive and he washed dishes and did different things to make it. He said that he never lost hope, never lost his joy because he knew that God had a plan for his life and he was gonna trust that plan. John Paul eventually made it to a Youth for Christ program where he was getting educated he was discovered and adopted by an American couple from Ohio. He later attended Bluffton College where he met his wife. He's wrote a book about his experience, My Faith or My Family. Now the last time I talked to John Paul, listen to me on this, he went back to that same village and shared the gospel. John Paul never lost his joy. He never lost his focus because he knew that God was in control. His circumstances did not allow him to be overtaken. And I believe you can too. But I'm here to tell you, I know that it can be hard. Sometimes it's just a matter of saying, God, I'm struggling in all this, but I love you and I trust you. Remember, your joy comes from the Lord. I believe the psalmist understood this when he wrote Psalms 145, 18. It said, the Lord is close to all those who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. Which leads me to Paul's next instruction to the Philippians and to us here today. Prayer is a priority. Let's look at verse 6. Paul continues, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. You know, I really like the, the living translation. It's so simple. Listen to this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. It says, be anxious for nothing. And when Paul says anxious for nothing, there's no loophole. He means nothing. Paul is simply saying, as a Christ follower, you don't have to allow worry to steal your joy. Not having concern, that's a different story. Having concern is okay. We can, we can have concern about people and our jobs and what's going on in the world because when we have concern, it shows we care. Concern, though, doesn't take over and consume our thoughts and our actions. Worry and anxiety can cause you to lose sight of what God is doing. The question becomes, do you trust God to do what is best for you? Remember, nothing is outside of his sovereign control. So many need to hear that again. Nothing is outside of his sovereign control. So what causes you to be anxious and worried in the first place? 
Stop and think about those things that you're worried about. How many of those things do you have control of? Does anything get accomplished by you worrying about these things? In fact, Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount asked that very question. In Matthew 6, 27, he says, Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Now, those that you have worried, have worried, added a single second to your life. The answer is no, right? So, what's the result of worry? What do you get from worry? Oh, the answer is nothing. You often lose more than you ever gain. You lack sleep, you lack appetite, or maybe you go the other way and you find yourself in your favorite frozen food aisle looking at your two favorite counselors, Ben and Jerry. Everybody has their thing. You know, I read a quote not too long ago that said, 90% of what we worry about will never happen, and 10% isn't as bad as we make it out to be. You see, we're really good at making movies in our minds, aren't we? Some of y'all are better than Spielberg and Stephen King. You think of the worst case scenario, and then you blow it up, right? <laughs> You'll see why I can say that so confidently here in a minute. You think of those worst case scenarios, and it paralyzes you. So, did you know that most hospital ER visits are stress related? See, the bad part is I'm a statistic. About three years ago, I was working three jobs, trying to take care of my family, burning the candle at both ends. And I always could feel my heart racing, and I felt like I was going to pass out. Every time I asked, my wife asked, I was fine, of course. <clears throat> but I really thought I was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> so I was driven to the hospital. Lots of tests were taken. I actually had to spend the night. And in the end, it was because I was overstressed. In fact, the doctor that, that took care of me was a friend of mine, and he wrote in the notes, he said, you need to relax, Ed. Now the real heart attack came when I got the bill. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> Paul then tells us what to do with our worries, doesn't he? It's pretty clear. He says, take it to the Father. He wants to hear from his children. When we communicate with him, he receives it. It's a conversation with our Heavenly Father. Some might say, well, you know, God already knows what I need and what's going on in my life. And, you know, it's okay. He, he knows my desires. Or maybe put it this way. Uh, for those of you that are married, how does your spouse know what you need? You have to tell them, right? And if they get it wrong, whose fault is it? Yours. Because you didn't communicate it, right? relationship with God is the same way and then there's others that say well you know it's not important it's just a little thing even though you worry about it all the time you tell yourself I'm not gonna bother God with it because it's a little thing but God says bother me that's how relationships work God says come to me and tell me what you need Paul even tells us how to approach the throne he says bring everything big or small Tell him what you need, and then thank him for what he's done. In 1 Peter, we read a similar promise where it says, Cast all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. The great Martin Luther was quoted as saying, Pray and let God worry. So, before we move forward, 
those of you that struggle with anxiety, we're going to pray. So why don't you pray with me here? Father, we come before you when we bring all of our worries and anxieties. You know, every single thing that caused us to worry at times and allow our eyes to miss out on what you are doing. We give you each one of them with the confidence that your plan is much better than anything we can imagine. Thank you for loving us and showing us grace after grace, especially in those times when we lose faith. May we find your joy no matter our circumstances. Amen. Now Paul's final instruction tells us how to keep worry and anxiety at bay once we have given them to God. Paul says, peace is possible. Look at verse 7 with me. Paul writes, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now some of you be going, okay, Paul, how do I get this peace that passes all understanding? We are to guard our hearts and minds in His peace. This is not a peace that we can obtain on our own. That's what we've been trying to do. You see, God created us and he understands how we work, how we're wired. And he gets it. So you either have emotions or thoughts in two different ways. You either have it in your head, you think it, or you feel it in your heart. In fact, you will hear people say, I'm anxious and I can't stop thinking about it. I feel anxious. Now don't get me wrong, processing these feelings and thoughts are good things. The trouble comes when it consumes you, when your concern turns to worry and your thoughts turn to anxieties. Paul says we must guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now remember, Paul is in jail, so he's probably staring at a Roman soldier when he wrote these words. And Roman soldiers were very good at their duties. No matter what they were told to guard, nothing, and I mean nothing, is getting in. Paul says, be careful what you let enter your mind and your heart. In other words, if you hear it, think it, feel it, and it's going to cause you worry or anxiety, don't allow it. Stand your ground. Allow God's peace to guard your heart and your mind. You see, worry is the enemy of peace. The peace of God describes a relationship that we enter into with God through the finished work of Jesus Christ. It is the trust in that work that gives us peace. You see, years ago I worked in a hospital setting where I took care of patients that were going to have multiple surgeries or simple overnight surgeries, you name it. And I saw many people and had many encounters where I saw God at work. But there's one story that's always stuck with me. There was a gentleman, his name was Tom. He was a 52-year-old man that came in presenting belly pain and fatigue. Now he looked very healthy and he had taken very good care of his body. He ate healthy food. He exercised on a regular basis. In fact, he had just ran a marathon and was planning to run another one soon. From the moment I met Tom, I knew there was something different about him. Whenever I helped him, he was so kind to me, and I can remember 
saying, you know, hey, thanks for being so nice. We had lots of encounters because I worked third shift and he was a, a night owl. And, and like I said, every time I said, hey, man, thanks for your kindness, because sometimes we don't get treated so nice on the floor. And he says, just because I'm in pain doesn't mean everybody else has to be. He said, plus, I put my faith and trust in this guy named Jesus. You know, I said, Tom, I said, how are you feeling with all this? And he said, you know what? No matter what happens, it's in God's hands. And then he quoted these verses to me. And he walked away, and I thought I'd never see him again. A couple days later, I came back in to work, and during report, my heart sank when I saw his name on my sheet. And his diagnosis was cancer. He had only been given a few weeks to live. Now, if I'm honest, I thought I'd see a different person. I thought I'd walk in and, and see a different person, but I didn't. I saw him still praising God and giving God the glory and still being the amazing man that I knew. You know, it was so sobering for me as a Christ follower. Here was this man going through cancer. He only had weeks to live. And he had put his hands, his, his life in God's hands. On one of the last nights I was on shift, he was being taken to a hospice. I remember he came up to the counter and I said, I love the fact that you are putting all your trust and your faith in God right now. I said, it's a huge testimony. And he said he refused to give up on giving God the glory. And then he said this, he says, you know what makes me smile? He says, when I take my last breath here, I'll take my first breath there. He got it. He understood it. Tom had that peace that Paul was talking about. He knew he had to guard his heart and his mind of all the bad things and the bad influences that were being thrown at him. You know, it didn't make sense to a lot of the doctors and nurses that stood around his bed. But his faith in God's plan was so powerful to me and it gave me a new perspective on life. One commentary I read said this. When people seem to lose their heart or mind, it often is connected to an absence of peace of God in their life. The peace of God then does not act as a guard for their hearts and their minds. So, can you all keep a secret? It's funny, I just saw a bunch of heads pop up for the first time. Hear the word secret. You know, I still struggle with worry. On the way here, I was worried about the situation. I was worried I wouldn't read, be able to read my iPad. I was worried that this would be a train wreck. I was worried that it was going to thunder and rain on us. Yeah. But I also can admit that I give it to God and say, no matter what happens, you are in control, and I want you to have the glory. I sometimes will lay awake at night and I have to stop and think about these verses and tell myself, Ed, God is in control and God has got this. You hear me? God has got this. I trusted him with my life over 30 years ago. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to continue to trust that his I want to live differently than the world. How about you?
the world seems to tell us that worry is normal part of life, and that may be true. But you don't hear anything but this today. Hear this. It should never steal your joy. We can praise him no matter our circumstances. We cast our worries at his feet in prayer. Then and only then can we experience his peace. Amen? Okay, is there another song? <laughs> so while they get up here, I'm going to pray, okay? Heavenly Father, I ask that you would help those of us who worry to look to you no matter our circumstance, rejoicing in the fact that we are your children and we know you are at work even in our darkest moments. I also ask that we remember to bring every worry to you in prayer, knowing that you love us and want to hear from us. Finally, Lord, may we guard our hearts and our minds with your peace, not our understanding. And we ask all of this in your son's precious name. Amen.